Hey, Rick, how are you? Hey, Gracie, good to see you again. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Good, good. So today I was wondering if you could walk us through something I've heard you talk about with your members, the yeah. leadership circle. Uh, wonderful, absolutely. So uh, the leadership circle, it is a 360 instrument that I use with uh, all of my executive coaching work. And uh, it's a very powerful uh, instrument that gives me a lot of data um, about the individual. And, um, and the individual learns a lot because not only do, do they see their self-score, but they see how other people that they work with scores them relative to their leadership. So it's a great tool. Um, what I'd like to do is just uh, kind of walk through this slide deck and um, and go through some of the key concepts. Let's so, do it. Yeah, so let me start. So Bob Anderson is the person who developed the Leadership Circle. Um, I had the good fortune of working with Bob back in 2006, 2007, when I was certified in, in the instrument. Uh, it was a fairly new instrument at the time, uh, but it's, it's worldwide now, and it's highly... Um, highly correlated to high-performing organizations and high-performing leaders. So it's a very valuable tool. And Bill Adams is the uh, CEO, um, and uh, Bill runs the shop, great guy. And so both Bill and Bob have written two books that you see here, Mastering Leadership and then Scaling Leadership. So let me give you some of the highlights. This is the Leadership Circle. And and so what we're trying to uh, help every leader to understand is how do they move from the bottom half of the circle, which are called reactive leadership uh, uh, styles or behaviors, to the top half of the circle, which are proactive or creative leadership uh, styles, behaviors, and competencies. Uh, the data shows that as, as a person moves to uh, moves their leadership to the top half, they become much more powerful leaders. And, um, and what this image does, this, this um, summary uh, graphic, it helps them to understand where they reside, where they're spending time as a leader, both where they think they're spending time, which is the black line, uh, or the heavy line, and then how others perceive them, which is the shaded part of each of these competency wedges. So, um, and then we get to compare the difference. So uh, that's that's it in um, as an overview. Let me talk a bit about the two frameworks uh, of leaders, two mindsets, so to speak. And when I'm working with people, I'm listening for which mindset people are coming from. So the one on the left is called the problem reacting mindset. It starts with a problem or threat that creates fear. And what happens when we have fear? We react. So we get into this cycle of problem, threat, fear, and reaction. Um, and when this continues, um, people are able to get things resolved. But guess what happens when, after your issue is resolved. We kind of take a big sigh of relief and we're waiting for the next threat to occur. So the, so the results, both organizationally and personally, are really a flat line. 
And you can see that in the, in the bottom graphic. We have our ups and downs, but we really don't improve overall results. As opposed to a different mindset or framework, and that's the outcome creating mindset, where we have a purpose and vision, we have a passionate about achieving that purpose and vision, and that's how we take action rather than reaction. So it's thoughtful action. So again, purpose, vision, passion, and leads to action. And the results here are, yes, you have your ups and downs, but that the overall results over time is one of achieving a vision and purpose, a strategy, objectives and goals with passionate, positive energy through well thought through action. So it's a very different mindset. And guess what? 75% of the time, we're, we're working ourselves out of the reactive mindset, not the creative mindset. So how do we make this shift as a leader? The other valuable aspect of this instrument is that it's really um, covering three core leadership assessment categories. So we oftentimes think of competencies. What am I able to do? What do I know? And what am I able to, to, to exhibit in terms of my behaviors? Um, the leadership circle measure, measures that, and we'll be going into those. Other instruments that you've probably heard of that also measure competencies are benchmarks, PDI, or Lominger. The second category are the assumptions we bring. And so the assumptions are, are what is our self-awareness? What are the assumptions we make about ourselves as a person, as a leader, and kind of bring in into our day-to-day -day lives. And so those underlying assumptions are oftentimes measured through the Hogan instrument or FIRO B or emotional intelligence instruments. And, um, and so this is a very powerful uh, part of knowing who you are and how you lead. Uh, but again, the leadership circle measure, measures both competencies and assumptions, not just one or the other. And then the third area of leadership assessment that the instrument measures is uh, personality, style, or type inventories. Um, this is where, they, where people find uh, it helpful to know, how am I different than my teammates? How am I different than my, my clients or my customers? Um, how is it they're thinking in a very different way than I'm thinking? or they're reacting or acting in a very different way than I'm, than I'm acting. And so other instruments that typically get to the style personality measurements are Myers-Briggs and DISC. Again, these are all powerful tools, but they're measuring one type of leadership assessment. The leadership circle measures all three. This is why I find it a, a really powerful tool because we're able to weave the three areas of leadership assessment into one. Uh, so, so in in through one instrument, we're able to to understand what's going on with a particular individual. Why are they? How are they behaving? How are they being perceived in terms of their leadership behavior? Why is that going on? And finally, what what's the underlying personality type? And that's what leads for pathways for change or action planning. So it's a really, really cool tool in that respect.
Um, so I want to talk a little more of, around the detail of the two halves of the circle, the reactive half, the bottom half, and the creative half or proactive half on the top. And, and we're going we're gonna to dive into the competencies between these two halves of the circle. So when you look at the top half of the circle, it has creative competencies that are broken into uh, five different dimensions. The first is relating. The second is self-awareness. The third is authenticity. That's the middle wedge. The fourth is systems awareness. And the fifth is achieving. I want to save authenticity for last because I see it really kind of as a summary of the other four. So as you look at the relating dimensions, what are the leadership competencies? Well, it's, it's you have caring connections, you foster team play, you're a collaborator, you're mentoring and developing others, and you have interpersonal intelligence, core competencies for an effective leader. What are the dimensions, what are the competencies of self-awareness? That you're a selfless leader. It's, a, it's not about you, it's about others. That you have a balance, a, a work-life balance and other aspects of life that are balanced and people perceive that. You have composure or executive presence and that you're a learner. People want to have a, an executive who is learning themselves, but also helping them to learn. Let's skip over to systems awareness. The competencies there is you're concerned about the big picture. How is it our company is making a difference in the world? So that's community concern. How are we making a difference in the marketplace? Um, that your sustainable productivity, it's not a, a, uh, it's not a flash in the pan, a one-time thing. It's sustainable productivity over time. And that you're a systems thinker. You're able to put all the pieces together. So, and understand how they fit and they're aligned. Core competencies for an effective leader. The fourth area that I, that I want to touch on is achievement orientation, that you're achieving. And, that, and the four competencies there are a strategic focus. You have a clear purpose and vision that you're able to articulate to your people and your customers. You achieve results and you're decisive. And if you do those things well, guess what? You're going to be seen as an authentic leader, one with high integrity, so you do what you say, and one of courageous authenticity, which is meaning you're willing to take smart risks and people see you as someone who's willing to step out into the future and, and, and take us to new places. Uh, so that's the top half of the circle. The bottom half of the circle has three dimensional areas. Um, and I want to speak to those. What are, the, what are the competencies for each of those? So if you look at the complying um, dimension, um, the competencies are you're conservative. I would replace the word conservative with cautious, sometimes overly cautious. Uh, that you're pleasing. It's all about making other people happy. That you, need, that you have a high sense of needing to belong. That's what's driving you to lead in certain ways and take certain actions is a sense of belonging. And the fourth competency there is that you're passive. What you'll see is these are some of the 
they have some of the weakest correlations to high-performing leadership, uh, the complying behaviors or competencies. The second area dimension is called protecting competencies. This is where we oftentimes go, you know, strictly to the mind. I find a lot of professionals, doctors, lawyers, um, engineers, uh, people who have uh, professional degrees who maybe fall back to their profession, um, oftentimes get caught in the protecting mode. And this is where people are putting up walls or distancing themselves from others. Uh, perhaps overly critical of what they see and hear. Um, and how does that come through? It comes through as being arrogant. And so when people score high in the protecting competencies, um, what I'll oftentimes be looking for is how are we falling back on what we know rather than what we want to achieve and how we want to engage with others. So it's that inside versus outside. The controlling dimension are your classics, that someone is seen as being autocratic, overly ambitious, just, you know, driven, so they'll run over your back to get there, or a perfectionist. Perfectionism is actually a form of uh, reactive leadership. And so when you look at the bottom half of the circle, these are the competencies that correlate to the lowest levels of leadership behavior. So let me talk about the left and right half of the circle. So you'll, when you look at the leadership circle results, you'll see some folks tend to have a lot more um, uh, shading on the left, which means they're relationship-oriented, versus uh, task-oriented, and some you'll see are much more task-oriented people. So this is the other thing we look for. But what we want to do is understand all four quadrants of the leadership circle and how do we move people from the bottom half to the top half to have creative relationships and creative task competencies and capabilities and behaviors as opposed to reactive. So let me talk a bit about what's underneath the leadership circle. And the leadership circle, Bob Anderson designed the circle around adult development theory. Robert Keegan was really kind of the, the author of much of this. I've used other people as well. Um, and the underlying the adult, um, the leadership circle and our move from reactive to proactive or creative is where we are in our develop, adult development as leaders. And so the first, the first is egocentric. And the egocentric mind is, think of a, a child, think of someone, you know, six years of age or under. It's all about them. What can I get? Ooh, there's a toy over there. I want that toy. Um, and so um, the egocentric um, is the first stage and we all go through that. The second stage is the reactive stage. It is the one that is represented on the bottom half of the circle. It is one of, um, of, of where we are 75% um, um, of the time. And about 70% of all leaders really never leave the reactive stage. They're, they're functioning from the reactive behaviors all of the time. And, um, and our goal is to move people 
from reactive to creative to the top half of the circle. And what this is what Bob calls the hero's journey. The hero's journey is going from reactive to creative, um, from um, reactive to proactive. And in a moment, I'll show you the correlation to high-performing leadership and results. Now, there are two additional um, uh, levels that, that um, Robert Keegan identified. One is called integral. And, and so for those who make, who are, who are primarily leading from the creative top half of the circle, there's really another level. And that is one of being integral. And the integral leader is one who understands the whole and has gone beyond just um, what they think the right thing to do is and the right way to lead is. And they're, they're really looking at what's best for the world, what's, what's, best, what's best for our whole marketplace. And then the unitive stage is very rare. That is, um, that's your Martin Luther King's your, your Gandhi's, your Nelson Mandela's, people who, who's really, their very existence is one of in service to the world. So what, what we're about is going from reactive to creative and then from creative to integral. So when you think about that move, some key components are when you're in the reactive space, it's what, what uh, Keegan and others call the socialized mind. And that means somewhere in our teenage years, we realize we can actually get ahead and we can get more of what we want if we follow the rules. If we understand what do our parents really want us to do? What do the teachers want us to do? What do the what's the boss want me to do? So our society spends a lot of time and energy shaping us for about 25 years, 20 years anyway, in, in being understanding of and responsive to and shaped by what others think we should do. And hopefully we learn to do that well. But you know what? 75% of the folks get stuck there. So what we want to do as a powerful, effective leader is move beyond what other people think we should do to being self-authored. And the self-authored mind is one where we shed what others people think and we determine for ourselves what we stand for what we know the right thing to do is, where I think we can achieve success. And we bring that to our companies. We bring that into our leadership. And, and those who are in the self-authored authored space are saying, here's our purpose, here's our vision. And yeah, you're right, nobody else is doing it and that's why I wanna do it. So moving into that self-authored mindset um, for some people, it happens early in life, and other people, it never happens. But it's always a journey, and that's what I'm looking for when I'm working with my executives. That's the kind of movement we're trying to achieve. When you go to the integral level, it's what they call the self-transforming mind. And so it's really uh, when you've achieved that self-authored mindset, when you determine for yourself what the right thing to do is and where you want to, how you want to lead and where you want to take your company, that's great. But then you start to realize, ah, there is that other viewpoint. And, and it's to, to understand that other viewpoint and to bring that into your thinking and to learn from that and to say, I can be who I want to be. I can create 
the company and we can create a company that's achieving what we want it to achieve and at the same time recognize this another point of view and and perhaps learn from that and and respect that so that's the self-transforming mind so the most of our work in the leadership circle why i encourage all of my ceos to take it what i bring into our executive coaching work is that hero's journey the reactive to the creative space um, about 80 percent of all leaders are in the um, um, in the socialized mindset, 15% make it to the self-authored mindset and really live out of that space. Many more are stepping their toe into it. My job is to help you move into that space. And then about 5% really go beyond that. And their real purpose is how do I change, how do I change the world? How do I make a dramatic difference in the world? And we have some leaders who really are driven that way. Now, how does it correlate to results? Um, in terms of effective leadership, five core measures of effective leaders, here's the results. Um, about 40% of the reactive leaders are considered effective. 65% of the creative leaders are considered um, um, high performing. And 90% of the integral leaders are perceived as being high performing. So what are those measures? It's these five things. I'm satisfied with the quality of leadership this person provides. This is the kind of leader that others should aspire to become. This leader is an example of an ideal leader. This leader's leadership helps this organization to thrive. And overall, this leader provides very effective leadership. That's the correlation for each of the competencies. And you can see some of the strongest Correlations for high-performing leadership. Number one is I have a clear purpose and vision. Number two is that I focus on, on fostering team play. Kind of things we already know, but here's the data to back it up. And then you can see how powerful the other top competencies are. What are the least effective leadership competencies? The lowest correlation to effective leadership is being passive. The second lowest is distancing yourself from others, showing arrogance, being autocratic. So if those things are showing up for you in terms of feedback from others, how do we move you to a different place? This is what a, a top 10% aggregate, uh, if you look across Bob's uh, leadership circle database, the, the bottom 10% looks like the left, the top 10% looks like the right. Another interesting data point is not just where the shading is, but what do the other individuals think of themselves and their own leadership? Notice on the left, people think they're, they're better than what other people perceive when it comes to the, the creative leadership competencies and lower than what other people perceive on the reactive competencies. So when I'm working with individuals, I'm talking about that gap. We're talking about, well, why is it you perceive yourself as having, you know, a 40% strategic focus, but others see you at less than 20%. Let's talk about that. Um, and then the same with the people on the right-hand side. You can see they typically underscore themselves compared to how others perceive them. And sometimes that can actually get in the way. 
where they need to be stepping more into who they actually are and um, and really being more forthcoming in their leadership. And they'll see themselves scoring either even higher in the authenticity dimension. So that's those are the averages. I want to share this slide because I think it's important to say we all have our roots in the reactive. This is a developmental model. So no matter how high you score in the creative side, you know how to come back down and you know how to be autocratic. You know how to be arrogant when you think that's the right thing to do. You know when to be passive when that's or pleasing. So it's not right or wrong, it's choice. And there are times when very strong, creative, self-authored leaders may choose to come down and come across in a more traditional way. Those are choice points. What I'll oftentimes talk about with my leaders is, let's go to the balcony, let's look at your behavior, let's talk about what is the appropriate action. And, and so that's how we build self-awareness. We want to look at how am I typically behaving, and then rather than just behaving subconsciously with what you kind of think knows, you know, it's worked for me in the past, let's pause and let's think about is that the right behavior and do I want to choose a different kind of behavior or competency? So this, I love this tree model. It's, it's an important one. One last thing I'd like to cover, Gracie, is um, on the left-hand side is what we've been talking about. This is the individual leader report and, and profile. The right-hand side is a different instrument, very similar, that I've used with a number of my CEOs that measures what the organization thinks about your senior leadership team. So we'll actually put the instrument out and we'll say, what is your perception of your senior leadership team in all these dimensions? And that's the shaded score. And then where would you like them to be? And that's the bold line. So it's a little bit different dimension. Where are your senior leaders? And we actually list them by name. <laughs> where are these people as a collective leadership group? And then where do you want them to be? So another very powerful tool. And one of my CEOs actually used this in his strategy session. Um, it was his idea to, act, to take the first half day of a two and a half day strategy workshop and focus on the leadership circle, both in terms of self, but also their team scores. And so then as they went into the next two days of, of uh, building out their strategy and specific action plans, they kept coming back to saying, and are we the people to do it? Do we have the right kind of, are we approaching our leadership in a way that's going to achieve those leadership objectives? I thought it was a really powerful way to use the tool. So Gracie, that's um, the leadership circle. Um, I would be glad to speak to anyone about it. Um, and I'd look forward to um, using this with all of my CEOs. It's a great tool. Great. Thanks so much, Rick. You're welcome.